Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. So now as we continue to work through Mackey's revised history of Freemasonry, we are now at a chapter that probably a lot of people have been waiting for. Chapter 43, The Legend of Hiram Abiff. This is the most important of all the legends of Freemasonry. This tradition will therefore be considered critically in respect to its origin, its history, and its meaning. Before, however, proceeding to the discussion of these important subjects and the investigation of the truly mythical character of Hiram Abiff, it will be proper to inquire into the meaning of his name, or rather the meaning of the title that goes with it. In the places in scripture where Hiram Abiff is mentioned, he is called at one time, in 2 Chronicles 2.13, by the king of Tyre, in a letter written by him to King Solomon, Churim Abi. In another place, in 2 Chronicles 5.16, where the writer of the narrative is recording the work done by him for Solomon, Churim Abiv, or, as it might be pronounced according to the sound of the Hebrew letters, Abu. But Luther, in his German translation of the Bible, adopted the pronunciation Abif, exchanging the flat V for the sharp F. In this, he was followed by Anderson, who was the first to present the full name of Hiram Abif to the craft. This he did in the first edition of the English Book of Constitutions. Since Anderson's time, at least the name of Hiram Abiff has been adopted by and has become familiar to the craft as the term applied to the cunning or skillful artist who was sent by Hiram, king of Tyre, to assist King Solomon in the building of the temple. In Chronicles and Kings, we find Churim, or Hurim, as we may use the initial letter as a guttural or an aspirate, and Hiram or Hiram, the vowel U or I being indifferently used. Hiram, with an O, is also found as a marginal reference in 1 Kings 7.40. But Masonic usage has universally adopted the word Hiram. Now the Abi and Abiv used by the king of Tyre in the book of Chronicles form no part of the name, but are simply inflections of the possessive pronouns my and his added to the word ab. Ab in Hebrew means father. I is my, and in, if, or if is his. Abi is therefore my father, so he is called by the king of Tyre when he is describing him to Solomon, Hiram my father. Abif is his father. He is so spoken of by the historian when he recounts the various kinds of work which were done for king Solomon by Hiram his father. But the word Ab in Hebrew, though it does in the first place mean a male parent, has other explanations springing from this root source. It is evident that in none of the passages where he is mentioned is it intended to intimate that he held such a relationship either to the king of Tyre or the king of Israel. The word father was applied by the Hebrews as a term of honor, or to signify a station of preeminence. Buxtorf says it sometimes signified master, and he cites the fourth chapter of Genesis, where Jabal has called the father of cattle and Jubal the father of musicians. 
Hiram Biff was most probably selected by the king of Tyre to be sent to Solomon as an efficient artificer of preeminent skill, that he might execute the principal works in the interior of the temple and make the various utensils intended for the sacred services. He was a master in his art or calling, and properly dignified with a title which announced his distinguished character. The title of father, which was given to him, denotes, says Smith, the respect and esteem in which he was held, according to the similar custom of the people of the East at the present day. We can also favorably consider the suggestion of Dr. McClintock that Hiram, my father, seems to mean Hiram, my counselor, that is to say, foreman or master workman. Applying this meaning to the passages in Chronicles, which refer to this artist, we shall see how easily every difficulty is removed and the craftsman Hiram is placed in his true light. When King Hiram, wishing to aid the king of Israel in the building he has planned to erect, writes him a letter in which he promises to comply with the request of Solomon to send him timber from Lebanon and woodcutters to hew it as an additional mark of his friendship and his desire to give his help in building a house of Jehovah, he gives him the services of one of his most skillful artisans and announces the gift in these words. And now I have sent a skillful man, endued with understanding, my master workman, Hiram. And when the historian who wrote the Chronicles of the Kingdom had told about all the work that Hiram had accomplished, such as the pillars of the porch, the lavers and the candlesticks, and the sacred vessels, he concludes by saying that all these things were made for King Solomon by his master workman Hiram. In the Hebrew, Ganash Hurum Abif Lamelech Shaloma, Hiram, or Hiram, was his proper name. Ab, father of his trade or master workman, his title, and I, or if, meaning my, or his. The possessive pronominal suffix used according to circumstances. The king of Tyre calls him Hiram Abi, my master workman. When the chronicler speaks of him in his relation to King Solomon, he calls him Hiram Abif, his master workman. As all his Masonic relations are with Solomon, this latter title has been adopted from the time of Anderson by the craft. Having thus disposed of the name and title of the person who constitutes the main point in this Masonic legend, we may go on to an examination of the origin and gradual growth of the myth. The legend of the temple builder, as he is commonly but improperly called, is so intimately connected in the ritual with the symbolic history of the temple that we would very naturally be led to suppose that the one has always been of the same period and coexistent with the other. The evidence on this point is, however, by no means final or satisfactory, though a critical examination of the old manuscripts would seem to show that the writers of those documents, while compiling from traditional sources the legend of the craft, were not altogether ignorant of the rank and services that have been credited later by the speculative Freemasons of the present day to Hiram Abiff. They certainly had some notion that in the building of the temple at Jerusalem, King Solomon had the assistance of a skillful artist who had been supplied to him by the king of Tyre. The origin of the legend must be looked for in the scriptural account of the building of the temple of Jerusalem. The story, as told in the books of Kings and Chronicles, is to this effect. On the death of King David, his son and successor, Solomon, resolved to carry into execution his father's long-thought-out design of erecting a temple on Mount Moriah for the worship of Jehovah. But the Jews were not a nation of artisans, but rather of farmers, and had even in the time of David depended on the aid of the Phoenicians in the construction of the house built for that monarch at the beginning of his reign. 
Solomon, therefore, applied to his ally, Hiram, king of Tyre, to furnish him trees from Lebanon, and with hewers to prepare them. For as he said in his letter to the Tyrian king, Thou knowest that there is not any among us that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. Hiram complied with his request, and exchanged the skilled workmen of the sterile Phoenicia for the oil and corn and wine of more, more fertile Judea. Among the artists sent by the king of Tyre to the king of Israel was one whose appearance at Jerusalem seems to have been in response to the following application of Solomon, recorded in the second book of Chronicles, the second chapter, seventh verse. Send me now, therefore, a man cunning to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in iron and in purple and in crimson and blue, and that can skill to grave with the cunning men that are with me in Judah and in Jerusalem, whom David my father did provide. In the epistle of King Hiram answering this request, contained in the same book and chapter, in the 13th and 14th verses, are the following words. And now I have sent a cunning man, endued with understanding of Hiram my father's, the son of a woman of the daughters of Dan, and his father was a man of Tyre, skillful to work in gold and in silver, in brass and iron, in stone and in timber, in purple and blue, and in fine linen and in crimson, also to grave any manner of graving, and to find out every device which shall be put to him with thy cunning men, and with the cunning men of my lord David thy father. A further description is given in the seventh chapter of the first book of Kings, in the thirteenth and fourteenth verses, and in these words. And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. He was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass, and he was filled with wisdom and understanding, and cunning to work all works in brass, and he came to King Solomon and wrought all his work. Very evidently, the circumstances reported in these verses from the Bible furnish the origin of the legend which was put into the Masonic system, and which on the institution of speculative Freemasonry was adopted as the most prominent portion of the third degree. Before we go further, we must not leave one peculiarity of these verses unmentioned. Both tell us that the father of Hiram Abib was a man of Tyre, but as to his mother, she is said to have been in the one case of the tribe Naphtali, and in the other, a woman of the daughters of Dan. Brothers Hugen and Hawkins submit an opinion credited to Bishop Patrick, who supposes that she was herself of the tribe of Dan, but that her first husband was of the tribe of Naphtali, by whom she had this son and that when she became a widow, she married a man of Tyre, who is called Hiram's father, because he brought him up and was the husband of his mother. Among various other explanations is one by Edward Young, that the Dan in question was a city in the land of Naphtali, and therefore Hiram's mother could properly be said to be of both places. It was the same as saying a person is a New Yorker and also a resident of the United States. The two assertions would not contradict one another in that case. Another explanation is that the shifting of boundaries accounts for the difference. Brother Morris Rosenbaum has published a pamphlet, The Two Hirams, discussing the probability that the designer of the building was the father of the artificer who cast the brazen pillars in holy vessels. This theory has been independently examined by several students, including the present writer. Let the reader carefully note in the two verses from the Bible that in the one case Hiram is sent, in the other instance he is fetched. In one verse he is sent by Hiram king of Tyre, and the other Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. The latter might be understood to mean that an escort was sent to bring Hiram from Tyre to Jerusalem. 
Assuming that disaster had come upon the first Hiram, then there would have been all the more reason for added protection being given to the second Hiram. Brother Charles James Ball considers in Volume 5, 1892 Proceedings, Quatuor Coronati Lodge, number 2076, London, the proper names of Masonic tradition. And Brother R. H. Baxter has a paper, The Third Degree, an attempt to establish its antiquity and to find evidence of its legends in Holy Writ. In the Transactions, Installed Masters Association, Leeds, England, page 77, volume 10, 1913-1914. In brief, it is pointed out the various names Hiram, Hiram, Adoniram, Hadaram, and their variants have, as Brother Baxter says, a very nearly common signification. Adoniram was in charge of the workmen, see 1 Kings 5, 14. And had Hadaram lost his life by being stoned to death, 2 Chronicles 10, 18. Of course, the fact that in the legend Solomon survives Hiram, and in the scriptures Hadoram lives after Solomon's death, must not be overlooked. But in the lapse of centuries and growth of tradition, these are perhaps unimportant. The medieval Freemasons were acquainted with the fact that King Solomon had an assistant in the works of the temple, and that the assistant had been sent to him by King Hiram. But there was a considerable confusion in their minds upon the subject, and an ignorance of the scriptural name and qualities of the person. In the Hallowell or Regius manuscript, the earliest known to us, the legend is not given. Either the writers of the two poems of that manuscript is composed were ignorant of it, or in the combination of the two poems there has been a mutilation and the Hiramic legend has been omitted. The Cook manuscript refers to it, and this is repeated in various forms in later constitutions as follows. And here's a long quote. And at the making of the temple in Solomon's time, as it is said in the Bible in the third book of Regum in Tertio Regum Capitolo Quinto, that Solomon had fourscore thousand masons at his work, and the king's son of Tyre was his master mason. And that quote. The reference here made to the third book of Kings is according to the old distribution of the Hebrew canon, where the two books of Samuel are called the first and second books of Kings. According to our present canon, the reference would be to the fifth chapter of the first book of Kings. In that chapter, nothing is said of Hiram Abiff, but it is recorded that Adoniram is over the levy. Now, the literal meaning of Adoniram is the Lord Hiram. As the king of Tyre had promised to send his workmen to Lebanon, and as it stated that Adoniram superintended the men who were there hewing the trees, the old legendist, not taking into account that the levy of 30,000, over whom Adoniram presided, were Israelites and not Phoenicians, but supposing that they had been sent to Lebanon by Hiram, king of Tyre, and that he had sent Adoniram with them, and viewing the word as meaning the Lord Hiram, hastily came to the conclusion that his lord, or Prince Hiram, was the son of the king, the person sent to Solomon to be his master mason or master builder. This error was repeated in succeeding manuscripts, and the word Adon, as meaning lord or prince, seems to have been always assumed in some one or other corrupted form as the name of the workman sent by King Hiram to King Solomon, and whom the Freemasons of the present day know as Hiram Abiff. Thus, in the Dowland Manuscript, A.D. 1550, we find, quote, And furthermore, there was a king of another region that men called Iram, and he loved well King Solomon, and he gave him timber to his work. And he had a son that was called 
Anon, and he was a master of geometry, and was chief master of all his masons, and was master of all his gravings and carving and all manner of masonry that longed to the temple. End quote. Anon is here a corruption of Adon. The Lansdowne Manuscript, A.D. 1600, says nearly the same thing. King Iram had a son that was called Aman. The initial letter A in this name has been, by careless writing, separated from the remaining letters, man. The true reading is Amon, itself an error, instead of Amon. And this is a corruption of Adon. This is shown by the York Manuscript, number 1, A.D. 1600, where the name is spelled A-M-O-N. This is also the name in the Lodge of Hope manuscript dated A.D. 1675-1700. The Grand Lodge manuscript, A.D. 1650, calls him the son of the King of Tyre, but his name is given as Anon, A-Y-N-O-N-E, another form of Adon, A-D-O-N. The Sloan manuscript, A.D. 1646, has Anon, A-Y-N-O-N, the final E being omitted. In the Harleian manuscript, A.D. 1650, both the final E and the medial Y are omitted, the name becoming Anon, A-N-O-N, still nearer to Adon, A-D-O-N. The Anic manuscript, A.D. 1701, has the name twisted into A-J-U-O-N, Ajuan. In these manuscripts, the legend continues to call this artist the son of the king of Tyre, whose name is said to be Hiram, or more usually, Iram, which I-R-A-M. And hence the various spellings of Amon, Anon, and Anon being restored to the true form of Adon, with which word the old Freemasons were acquainted, as signifying lord or prince. We get, by adding it to his father's name, Adoniram or Adoniram, the lord or prince Hiram. The Papworth Manuscript, A.D. 1720, is too near the time of the revival and the real establishment of speculative Freemasonry to be of much value in this inquiry. It does say that the artist was the son of King Hiram, but it changes his name to Benaim. This is probably an incorrect inflection of the Hebrew word bona, a builder, and shows that the writer, attempting to correct the error of those who had spelled Adon as Anon or Amon or Ajuan, had in his smattering of Hebrew made a greater one. The Krauss manuscript is worthless as authority. Probably that was written after the publication of the first edition of Anderson's Constitutions, and of course takes the name from that work. The name of Hiram Abiff is first introduced to public notice by Anderson in 1723 in the Book of Constitutions printed that year. In this work, he changes the legend of the craft to say that the King of Tyre sent to King Solomon his namesake Hiram Abiff, the Prince of Architects. Then, quoting in the original Hebrew a passage from the second book of Chronicles, where the name Hiram Abiff is to be found, he explains it, quote, by allowing the word Abiff to be the surname of Hiram the Mason, end quote. Furthermore, he adds that in the passage where the king of Tyre calls him Huram of my father's, the meaning is that Huram was the chief master mason of my father, King Ababalus. A most uncritical attempt, because he mixes, as its foundation, the Hebrew original and the English version. He had not discovered the true explanation, namely, that Hiram is the name and Ab the title, denoting, as if we have said before, master workman, and that in or if or if is a pronominal suffix meaning his, so that when speaking of him in his relation to King Solomon, he is called Hiram Abiff, that is, Hiram his or Solomon's master workman. 
Anderson put an entirely new element in the legend when he said in the same book that the wise King Solomon was Grand Master of the Lodge at Jerusalem, King Hiram was Grand Master of the Lodge at Tyre, and the inspired Hiram Abiff was Master of Work. In the second, or 1738 edition of the Constitutions, Anderson considerably enlarged the legend, for reasons that will be considered when we come later in this work, to treat of the origin of the third degree, but on which it is here unnecessary to dwell. In that second edition, Anderson asserts that the tradition is that King Hiram had been made Grand Master of all Freemasons, but that when the temple was finished he gave up that leading position to King Solomon. No such tradition nor any reference to it is found in any way in any of the old records that are now in existence, and it is moreover entirely opposed by the current of opinion of all later Masonic writers. From these suggestions of Anderson, and from some others of a more esoteric character made, it is supposed by him and by Dr. de Segalier, about the time of the revival, we derive that form of the legend Hiram Abiff, which has been preserved to the present day with singular uniformity by the Freemasons of all countries. The substance of this legend, so far as it is concerned in the present investigation, is that at the building of the temple there were three grandmasters, Solomon king of Israel, Hiram king of Tyre, and Hiram Abiff, and that the last was the architect or chief builder of the edifice. As that which relates to the fate of Hiram Abiff is to be explained in an altogether allegorical or symbolic sense, it will more appropriately come under consideration when we are treating in another part of this work of the symbolism of Freemasonry. Our present study will be the legendary character of Hiram Abiff as the chief master mason of the temple. Our investigations will be directed to the origin and meaning of the myth, which has now, by universal consent of the craft, been adopted, whether correctly or not, we shall see hereafter. The question before us, let it be understood, is not as to the historic truth of the High Ramic legend as set forth in the third degree of the Masonic ritual, not as to whether this be the account of an actual occurrence or merely an allegory accompanied by a moral signification, not as to the truth or error of the theory which finds the origin of Freemasonry in the Temple of Jerusalem, but how it has been that the Freemasons of the Middle Ages should have put into their legend of the craft the idea that a worker in metal, in plain words, a smith, was the chief builder at the temple. This thought, and this thought alone, must govern us in the whole course of our inquiry. Of all the myths that have prevailed among the people of the earth, hardly any has had a greater antiquity or a more extensive existence than that of the smith who worked in metals and made shields and swords for warriors or jewelry for queens and noble ladies. Such a myth is to be found among the traditions of the earliest religions, and being handed down through the ages of popular service, it is preserved with various natural charges changes in the legends of the Middle Ages, from Scandinavia to the most southern limit of the Latin race. Long before this period, it was to be found in the mythology and the folklore of Assyria, of India, of Greece, and of Rome. Freemasonry, in its most recent form, as well as in its older legend, while adopting the story of Hiram Abiff, once called Adon Hiram, has strangely distorted its true features, as shown in the books of Kings and Chronicles, and it has, without any historical authority, transformed the scriptural idea of a skillful smith into that of an architect and builder. Hence, in the old legend, he is styled as Master of Geometry and All Masonry, and in the modern ritual of speculative Freemasonry, he is called the Builder, 
and to him, in both, is supposed to have been entrusted the superintendence of the Temple of Solomon during its construction, and the control of those workmen, the stone squarers and masons, who were engaged in the labor of its erection. To strip this legend of its corrupt form, and to give Hiram a biff, who was actually an historic personage, his true position among the workmen at the temple cannot affect in the slightest degree the symbolism of which he formed so much a part, while it will rationally account for the importance that has been given to him in the old as well as in the new Masonic system. Whether we make Hiram Abiff the chief builder and the operative grandmaster of Solomon's temple, or whether we give that position to Enon, Ammon, or Ajuan, as it is in the old legend, or to Adoniram, as it has been done in some Masonic rites, the symbolism will remain unaffected. The symbolic idea rests on the fact of a chief builder having existed, and it is immaterial to the development of the symbolism that was his true name. The instruction intended to be conveyed in the legend of the third degree must remain unchanged, no matter whom he may identify as its hero. For he truly represents neither Hiram, nor Anon, nor Adoniram, nor any other individual person, but rather the idea of man in an abstract sense. It is, however, important to the truth of history that the real facts should be taken out of the mythical statements which envelop them. We must throw off the husk that we may get at the germ. Besides, it will add a new attraction to the system of Masonic ritualism if we shall be able to trace in it any remnant of that oldest and most interesting of the myths, the legend of the smith, which, as we have said, has universally prevailed in the most ancient forms of religious faith. Before investigating this legend of the smith and its reference to Freemasonry, and to this particular legend of Hiram Abiff, which we are now considering, it will be proper to inquire into the character of the legend as it existed in the old religions and in the myths of the Middle Ages. We may then inquire how this legend, adopted by Freemasonry in its stricter ancient form of the legend of Tubal-Cain, became afterward mixed up with another legend of the Temple Builder. And with that, we're going to call this an episode. So this will be part one of The Legend of Hiram Abiff. And we'll finish it up next week. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.